talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, the show where we take a look at Aaron Sorkin's seminal television classic, The West Wing, from a bit of a more leftist socialist perspective here in the year now, 2020. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And this week's episode um, is entitled The Two Bartlets. I think it's episode 12 of season three. 13. 13. I was very close. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> this is another uh, meta <laughs> sort of episode. There is a In lot a of... Sense, yeah. The, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, bouncing around and not a lot happens but there's <laughs> like also every episode there's also like a catch-up so let's just start from the beginning and we can talk through stuff that happens so yes we get, it's very topical because <clears throat> it's uh the iowa caucus in west Wing indeed time. it is and it's almost the iowa caucus in real life time how funny is that <sighs> it is 19 days away boys and mm-hmm. and girls and gender non-conforming individuals yes um so we open in this episode, uh, it's understood to be the wee hours at Josh's apartment. Right. And we he, get... His first thing, he, by the way, in the preview of everyone checking their phones all the time, Josh turns on TV uh, to, as the first thing he, he does. He turns on news networks when he wakes up. Yeah, when he wakes up, he shuffles over to the TV and turns on the talking heads that right. we now get fed to us via our right. smart and, devices. And they just keep it on throughout the entire scene, even while <laughs> Amy comes in and they're talking about other stuff and they're clearly not paying attention. Yeah, but yeah, so, so Amy shows up. And and basically, it's a weird mechanic here because I think it's meant to communicate that this is like a power move because she's still dressed. Like, she's you know, dynamite in her long coat and whatever it at is just showing up at yeah. 5 a.m. Yeah. In, in Josh's, like, and kind of getting into his face. But it's also like, um, it's another just a reversion to a more sexist take on the character where it's like, oh, well, she's clearly smitten. And like... Yeah. And so he asks about what, you know, she's been doing, dating this guy, and she drops right. the bombshell that this senator guy asked her to marry him. Yeah. Which gets a nice little reaction out of Josh. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then she as quickly as follows up with, I said no, of course. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and immediately Josh is just like, whoop. And he's yeah. like, back on the smug train, baby. Right. It's it like, just, it just a sh- straight shot to his ego. Like, oh, she broke up with him for me. <laughs> <laughs> and she actually, like, they write words into her the character's mouth to be like, I did not do this yeah. for you. I am a fully independent woman. We've seen each other four times. Please don't let this go to your head. Josh, of course, immediately lets it go <laughs> lets to his it go head. To his head. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we get him. But the like, whole answering... cold open is a nice yeah. little setup for a for a really funny gag where he's like, she's like, we dated four times. He's like, no, we dated six times. And he's like, I'll tell you each of the six times when you call me after you leave from your cell phone. And then the phone rings and he just immediately starts listing all the nights they've been together. And it turns out it's Leo calling. Hey. <laughs> da 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 What? Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's the entire cold open goes to being like Amy is still like into Josh and right. then there's a joke at right it's it's just setting up the status quo of their relationship for this particular episode because there will be a running subplot where Josh commits the cardinal sin of West Wing uh, planning vacation time yeah 
<laughs> so we we launch into the episode proper, and it's mm-hmm. basically the it's understood that certain members of the admin are taking a flight on Air Force One to Iowa because it's the Iowa caucus. Woo right. Woo. Um, and <laughs> there's a whole scene with CJ talking about the butter cow. Yes. <laughs> CJ's enthusiasm for the butter cow matches all of our enthusiasm for the butter cow. <laughs> wow, a cow made of butter. My daughters would love this. <laughs> That's a Ted Cruz reference, everybody. And, uh, prior prior to him becoming punished, Ted. To- Toby, of course, asking the hard-hitting questions, how do they keep the butter cow from melting? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> and so basically, um, kind of the... the the through line of this is that they are trying to prep the president to deliver like hammer blows to his potential primary challenger who they think will be Richie uh, yeah. at this point. Uh, funny enough, Sam will have a line later on in the episode of like, it's not going to be Richie. The nominee's never going to be Richie <laughs> and in a very, very Trump esque manner. The nominee will absolutely be Richie. <laughs> yep. Um, so the, like it's, it's Toby and CJ going back and forth about, like, we need to have him say something that is, like, inspiring and, you know, let the let Bartlett be Bartlett spirit. Mm-hmm. And the understanding is that throughout this process, they are struggling with the fact that Bartlett doesn't even fucking know what Bartlett is. And, like, we get this centrist waffly garbage. Right. Um, so, for example... Yeah. Um, the main the main issue they pick on is that Richie came out against affirmative action when it comes to college admissions. Pennsylvania is passing some hypothetical bill related to affirmative action. Uh, Richie came out with a statement saying, "No affirmative action, bad." Blah blah blah. Republican talking point, uh, and they say, "Okay, Bartlett. Now here's they're absolutely going to ask you about this at your next press conference." Uh, now is your time to be like, actually, affirmative action, good for blah, blah, blah reasons and, you know, inequality and racial gap and blah, blah, blah. And he just just decides to say, no, I really would like to take the coward's way out and just kind of say a statement that says like, hey, everything is good. Who If is affirmative action good, who can say it makes some people angry? So let's not take a really big stance on it. OK, bye. Yeah. And this is. So the episode title derives from the idea that it's like Toby is challenging the president eventually on, hey, you are you are theoretically this this strong progressive firebrand dude firebrand of a yeah. of a people's candidate, but whenever you go out in public, this all just melts away into waffling, you know, dithering, cozy dad energy, cozy, not going to rock the boat. Right, yeah, type Co- of makes a dad energy. joke and like ma- everyone in the room laughs comfortably, but he doesn't actually take a position on anything. So we can talk about affirmative action a little further down the road, but other things that are happening in the general plot line. Uh, so we get Ted from accounting. Yay! <laughs> who shows up again? So Ted, Ted I think from it, Scrubs. Um, yeah. Sam Sam Neil, I want to say Sam something. Uh, I can't um, remember. Yeah. Uh, I forget if that's the character's name or the actor's name. Anyway, he's UFO man from what a big block of cheese day. Um, I find this all very funny because the, the entire conversation takes an extremely skeptical tone towards UFOs and funny enough in, in more recent news in recent years, it seems <laughs> like we have actually a lot of evidence. There may be 
some alien alloys or some shit going on. Who knows? But uh, it definitely <laughs> seems like uh, Sam's theory of events lines up more with reality than uh, Sam's theory of events because they send Sam in to talk to him. Uh, to what is the character's name? It's Is it Danny? Uh, I don't know. I'll look it up real quick. You keep talking. Yeah. But anyway, so... This guy comes in, and it's actually like it's a it's a way to get Sam into the plot line, but it it feels like a, I mean it's completely inconsequential, and I can't figure out. It's absolutely from a big block of cheese day that got cut kind of thing. That's what mm. it definitely feels like to me. Like it should have been. Oh, we were gonna have a big block of cheese day and bring back the UFO guy, uh, but we can't. You know, we don't have enough ideas for a full big block of cheese day, so just throw it into a different episode. Yeah, so... Oh, uh, he The character's name is Robert Engler. The actor's name is Sam Lloyd. Okay. Oh, uh, good remember. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a little tricky because Rob Lowe is fictional Sam. Yes. So there's, we've got a real Sam and a fictional Sam. And, uh, and blah, a real blah, blah. Rob and a fictional <laughs> yeah. Rob. So yeah. that's actually really funny. That, I didn't that, realize that, that is very funny. I wonder if they did that on purpose. <laughs> so, and, well, just, like, to wrap this up real quick, like, they're trying to make a point that, like, Bob, the UFO guy, like Sam it's says, sad it. it's about like his he, dad essentially. Yeah, like he inherited the family business. And he's like, he act, he's like acting out because his dad just died a few months ago, and like his dad was super into UFO guy, and he basically has followed in his father's footsteps. Yeah, and there there is a meta of that, given how Toby challenges the president about his dad. Down oh, the way. okay. But I didn't even think about that. But I don't I don't think it's explicitly... No. It's certainly not explicitly said, but also it's just like, it is not well-crafted enough to right. make that connection apparent in the script and like how the, the scenes are cut together. Yeah, they absolutely just feel like they're like comedy scenes injected because like, oh, we need funny and also Sam should have something to do. You know, yeah. they, don't, they don't feel very thematic or on point. So the last thing that's going on is um, there is a protest in West Wing World of, um, on the island of Vieques in Puerto Rico, which is surprisingly timely because yes. Vieques was in the news last year again because guess what? The Navy still uses it as a target range. Oh my God. Um, so for... People who aren't entirely up to speed on this, basically, there's a small island off the east coast of Puerto Rico, which is a, you know, U.S. territory. And so these people are U.S. citizens. And it's been designated by the Navy as like a practice range. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uranium. Yeah, depleted uranium. Shit (laughs) like like leftover explosives, Uh, hydrazine. At one point, Josh says the cancer rate in uh, Vienvo, uh, Vievo, whatever it was, is 25% higher than the rest of Puerto Rico. It's like super fucked up. (laughs) And so what happens is they get news that one of Josh's friends, who is an activist, activist, Mm -hmm. is conducting basically like a sit-in, which is still a tactic that's in use today, where you get a group of people and you just go stand in the middle of, like, downrange from all these 16-inch guns on these battleships and refuse to move. Right. So there's... There's this subplot that, like, these ships need to be certified, and so they call in Josh to, like, talk his friend down. And Josh, to his great credit, is like, fuck this. Right. Like, this is not something that I am 
like getting paid to like this is shitty this is josh using gets, me josh gets a fair amount of credit this episode for his non-amy related activities i'll say <laughs> uh because not only does he say like hey this sucks for me personally to have to try to talk down my friend from a cause he believes in but also his cause is just and the people of puerto rico have a right to fucking protest and and so on and so on and he lays out you know how for five centuries puerto rico has been under some fucking empire's thumb and has never had self-determination for even five goddamn minutes yeah and so like in in the end they work it out such that um, you know, Josh kind of talks the guy down, honestly, like in, in protest, pretty much. He's just like, okay, fine, I'll fucking do it because Leo is telling me to. Right. And then they have scheduled a meeting for the day that he and Amy were supposed to fly to Tahiti on spontaneous lovebird vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they, they fucked up by announcing it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot plan a vacation on this show in any way, shape, or form. Every character should realize this by now. Unfortunately, they are not genre savvy to the own show they are within. <laughs> well, and I think I think I wrote it down. I was like, if I didn't know where this exchange was going to end up dramatically based on how the show works, it would be very heartening to see Josh vesting like in the emotional well-being yeah. of his of his relationship. Absolutely, like he's God. Like that is the absolute right call. Is like yes, they should go to Tahiti for a week or or whatever. Like and like they would come back and they'd probably be a couple for months and months and months. But spoilers, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so. Basically, that that winds down with Leo trying to, you know, give him the out. And Josh is like, well, you know, duty and blah, blah, tells Amy. Sure. Amy is rightfully pretty upset about it. But then they do a cute they little thing. They do a little backup plan where he yep, little backup fake plan. Tahiti's his, his giant fucking giant house. Apartment. Have we talked about that for a second? A house, <laughs> apartment, I don't care. It is fucking huge. And, like, obviously and Josh is chief of staff of the White House and is clearly making six figures of some amount. So he can yeah. afford it. But And also he comes from family money in uh, the fiction of the show. But mm-hmm. but still, like, this is a prime DC <laughs> spot. And it is gi-fucking-gantic. <laughs> it, it's, like, big enough that the, uh, the camera's depth of field... Like, it goes yeah. out of focus yeah, as they you have, go across the room. They have to the rack room. focus if any of <laughs> yeah. the characters moves away too hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they do that. And then there is a whole scene at the end, which I think we can dedicate a little bit of time yeah. to in I a bit, where Toby, yeah. Toby confronts the president on why exactly he's doing all this waffling garbage mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. committing on behalf of his principles for the administration. So... Mm-hmm. Let's take a brief break now. We can break out a couple of those things in more detail and get to it. All right, so let's take a little bit here to break out some thoughts about everybody's favorite politically fraught topic, affirmative action. Yay. Um, All right, so, I mean, I'm sure all our listeners are familiar with the general concept. I actually did some brief research and found that the origin of the phrase itself is from a document, um, an executive order issued by President Kennedy in 1961, 
And the actual, like, the phraseology in that document is that government contractors, quote, and I'm reading from the wiki here, take affirmative action to assure that applicants are employed and employees are treated during employment without regard to race, creed, color, or national origin. Hmm. So it was, you know, basically just a a non-discrimination clause that by the language of this executive order was required to be like proactive be mm-hmm. like you must you must do this deliberately rather than you know by by hook or by crook or right. by you know whatever the so, nfl has its own version called the rooney rule where uh one huh. uh african-american coaching candidate must be evaluated whenever attempting to uh select a new head coach to prevent the huh. league from being dominated by white guys in theory no shit mm-hmm cool yeah so, as again, this is this is a bit of a politically fraught topic because, like, it's almost hard to engage with from my sort of set of political principles because it's like, no nah, man, it, it's it fine. Should, Let's have two white guys talk about affirmative action yeah, and what can go yeah. wrong. And it it should just be so understood that the systems of oppression exist as they have evolved by virtue of the opposite type of action and so therefore the only way to roll them back is to completely transcend even let's say affirmative action and just be literally like directly supporting you know like reparations or or things along those lines yeah whereas affirmative action itself is sort of already the compromise half position of like okay we're not gonna make you whole but we'll like give you the opportunity to maybe make yourself whole maybe Good luck. <laughs> yeah. And in that way, it's a very Democratic Party type of position where yeah. it is they, they couch it in language such that it provides opportunity. E- equality and, of opportunity rather yeah. than equality of outcome. <sighs> yeah. And, you know, like to a certain degree, like de- describing things as being, quote, colorblind is also somewhat gross because. Yes. It it's again, it's it enshrines the status quo. But doesn't and and doesn't directly take any steps to remedy. It. And the sad thing is, we've almost made negative progress on this because nowadays you've got shit like the algorithms, which are like purposefully designed where they're systemically overlooking minorities for a variety of reasons. Whether it just is, you know, the people who are programming them bias to various other factors of like, oops, we accidentally made it select only white guys named Jared who play lacrosse. Yeah, 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 I saw that. You know, like that's a thing that happens. So like in a weird way, we're, we're almost regressing even further now because technology is giving people more and more tools to basically redline black people again. You know, and you've got these neighborhood apps like the the snitching apps and shit like uh, that. And next door, citations and needed just came out with a great episode about that. Um, I encourage everyone to listen to that as well. But yeah, it's just you know, it's such a yeah, it's the Kelly like, comic about America when we talk about race versus race, America yeah. <laughs> when we don't talk about race. Groovy. You know? It's it's an it always feels like it's an awkward conversation to have because we're worried that it's gonna devolve into anger, but it's a necessary conversation to have. Yeah, and again, it is these these policies are informed by the status quo, whether people 
realize it or not. Right. So the, so it's... the only option is either deal with it or don't deal with it. And mm-hmm. we definitely lean on the don't deal with it side as a rule. And so within the show, we have, again, <laughs> I wrote at the bottom of the notes here, I just said, uh, affirmative action chat, my favorite topic amongst us privileged whiteies. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty so much. So it is, it is CJ who, to be fair, female, cis, straight, white woman. Mm-hmm. And Toby, to be fair, Jewish, cis, straight, man talking about like having this discussion about whether affirmative action is and again just like there's no there's no Boy, there's, a, or there's no charlie in this episode i just realized he he has one line i think he's oh, talking about the speech right. language or something that's right yeah and then uh, hmm. but they don't have any black people to talk about it i did just realize that <laughs> well and and there's absolutely no nuance because they're trying to decide again. It, it becomes a it's a zero or a one. It's like do we include it in the speech at all, right? Or not? And even and, like even if they were gonna come out uh, like strongly pro affirmative action, it was still gonna be in a, like a milk toast kind of shitty way. Like it wasn't gonna be like yes, and I'm for HR fifty and let's start a reparations committee. Like it was just gonna be Bartlett saying like yeah. Go affirmative action. I disagree with Richie. The end. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I am staking my position within this primary race on these terms and not making any statements about policy right. whatsoever. And uh, is, spo- is spoilers alert: we will not see any sort of affirmative action legislation <laughs> out of the White House or anything along those lines. Uh, shocking, I know, as for fans of the show, that uh, turns out nothing happens. So. I wanted to take also a moment to put a different bit of a spin on CJ's argument, or like, frankly, it's a whine, because she is in mind of her father's ailing health, Yes, right? He has, I mean, clearly he has some form of dementia. Alzheimer's, something like that. He's having memory problems. Memory issues. Mm -hmm. So she frames her objection to affirmative action within the terms of his career, and she says explicitly that, Instead, because of these programs, my father, who did oh, the American God, dream, right. he, he I, used I his GI Bill. I sort of mentally blocked this fucking shit, but now, <laughs> I, now I recall. Go ahead. He used his GI Bill to go to college to become a teacher, which, mm-hmm. you know what? At this juncture, for somebody who was old enough to fight in World War II, all right, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. And then she says, he went to teach in West Virginia, but... Because there was always a more qualified minority candidate, instead of retiring as like, you know, I don't know, Principal administrator, yeah. Yeah. Superintendent of X school district, he retired as the head of the math department. Oh no! The horror. Oh <laughs> uh, and it is fucking hell. it is a the the careerist part of this show just blazing forth like in all, all it is scathing is, it, light cj is weeping tears because her father didn't get six figures when he retired or something like that like fuck off and the the and, like, and, and the fucking boomer myth of like oh they kept hiring all these minorities over the white man <laughs> like oh my god and to be fair i also would like to offer a a like a, a counterexample to how we even view this because, hey, instead of viewing you advancing in your career as ascending a ladder to multiple higher paid administrative positions, mm-hmm. 
what if we just redefined that road or path yes. to be more inclusive of success as a member of the rank and file? Right. It's fine if you just stay a teacher your entire career and retire would, as a teacher. That's like, fine. I, I have I had teachers in high school who had been teaching for like thirty five years, yes. and they were and the and they reason had, that they, they were had still... no ambition because they want to be teachers. Yeah. They don't and, want to be administrators. Were... Like, they were great at it. Yes. And, like, I owe my success later in life to yes. some of these lifelong Absolutely teachers. Absolutely the so, same. Yeah. Why, why, why not just offer flexibility within, like, right. a redefinition of just, success? How about just pay teachers more and give them cost of living raises and stuff like that and, you know, tenure, you know, and, tenure and pensions and, and incentives to remain good teachers? And, like, this Peter Principle idea of we have to promote everyone until they become incompetent is, is ruinous. Yeah. And guess what? You know what the closest thing we get to enshrining an alternative definition of success for teachers is... It's unions, baby. Mm -hmm. Teachers unions make this possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, fucking, this is, like, the way to get past this silly, very boomer conception of career advancement is just to allow people to define success within their career as they would prefer and also provide them the material support necessary to quantify that success as they go through their lives. Yeah. I had completely forgotten that CJ's breakdown was like half half powered by my daddy didn't get a good enough job before he retired. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, and she also even says it. She's like, now I'm flying around on Air Force One. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You are. So you, you... did. So your dad did fine, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, it really hurt you. Oh, you know, no. Coming down the pipes. You CJ. had such a lack of opportunities. You you made $500,000 as a Hollywood PR agent. Yeah. And then you got to go work for the president as goddamn press secretary. Woe is you, a person lacking all opportunities in this life because your father didn't make it. Yeah. Oh, and my I mean, God. It's just. It, it's very, very, I mean, it is, it is of a time. It's a time capsule perspective on this. And I've been, <laughs> it's, it's an age thing too, because like no one my age or younger is worried about like their career prospects. They're just want to stay employed. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, also I can, I can speak to this directly in that I have done the same job for 10 years now. The, the, the same, I've done the same job responsibilities and tasks for 10 years now. Now, granted there has been, Additional compensation for increasing the number of I, I work in hotels. I think I've talked about this before, mm -hmm. but like increasing mm -hmm. the prestige or the amount of money that I am responsible for in my role. But I have felt to the corporation's credit supported in that decision in a way such that up until very recently, I have been perfect. It, it has been a perfectly cromulent situation. Right. Doing think, the same job. I think this speaks to sort of this like up and upper out mentality as well that you see in a lot of bigger organizations, uh, where like if you're not moving up, then you're stagnating. And yes. It, again, it just points to everything we've been we've been talking about. Let's. Uh, I think that does it for for this little bit of topic. Let's take another quick break and then we can uh, get into more of the episode.
So, the final scene of this episode is Toby coming alone to the president. It's at the end of the day, clearly. Uh, he, the president has already cowered it out of taking a firm stance on affirmative action. He was asked the question. We get this nice little moment where Toby was watching on TV when he gets the question, sees the president effectively dodge it and sort of just, you know, face palms a little of like, oh, God damn it, what a coward. Uh, and so he goes to confront the president in the Oval Office at the end of the day. And basically be like, sir, why, you know, why'd you cower it out? I think that was, you know, Richie, you know, made his stance firmly clear. I think it, this was the time for you to make your stance firmly clear. Uh, and, like, you know, Bartlett pushes back with like, no, it just wasn't the right time or, or you know, some sort of flippant excuse. Uh, so, and I'm like, I just like to break in here and be like, all right, Toby, I am with you. Up until this point. Right. Yes. Yeah. He's got a perfectly <laughs> fine point uh, about this campaign strategy and Bartlett's cowardice of dodging the question. But then he very quickly just starts to immediately go over the line and starts psychoanalyzing the president. Holy shit. <laughs> well, well, okay. So first off, he lays out the actual title and premise of the episode, the two Bartlets. And this part, he's also still fine on where he's just talking about the two different ways Bartlett presents himself, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, sort of the, the funny dad joke, not offensive Bartlett, whereas the, you know, or the liberal firebrand, noble laureate, you know, Bartlett, who's, who fucking will gut you like a motherfucker if you come at him yeah you know and these are the two bartlets and and lately he's ca he's going too much towards the cowardly dad option and since it's campaign season they really need him to be more the liberal firebrand option and then toby starts getting into fucking psychoanalysis and uh just doesn't he just immediately jump to uh your father used to hit you didn't he sir <laughs> i'll put the clip in here because it's incredibly jarring and the nobel laureate Still searching for salvation, lonely, frustrated, lethal. You're going to sing a country western song? The one his father never liked him because he was too smart. This stopped being fun for me a little while ago. Sir. It was actually never fun for me. I was just being polite. Your father used to hit you, didn't he, Mr. President? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like... It just comes out of nowhere. And, like, I'll give Bartlett this credit. He's incredibly restrained given the topic. And, like, he lets Toby give himself a lot of rope before he starts to hang Toby with it. Uh, this is super incredibly inappropriate. Obviously, it's television. And, like, you know, it's cheap drama, sort of. And, okay, here's the other thing. How does Toby know? Or is he just guessing? Has Toby seen the flashbacks that we saw <laughs> with Lawrence O'Donnell? Like, you know. Toby's the president's medium in addition to his, uh, like, uh, communications director. He has seances where he does Yeah, flashbacks. communications actually means with all parties, including the dead. <laughs> Uh, and so then he starts getting into this whole thing about like, oh, if you just win election, won't daddy love you again, Mr. President? <laughs> like, holy fucking oh. shit. <laughs> and I, I also, it's, again, I think your point about it being television is the most important part because it is. Yeah. It is. This would never, ever, it would ever happen. Never happen and like even like if you two are, sentences into this he would have been kicked out of the room and probably fired like even even if you were like a leo level of relationship yeah with president bartlett it would yeah, be even even leo bartlett would be like leo don't let's not even do he like he wouldn't come at him as hard but he would absolutely shut it down oh, yeah 
So it's so it's ridiculous. And and the like sort of the the Bartlett's uh, like when the claws come out, it's going yeah. after it, Toby or he refers to Toby like being in a Brooklyn shrink's office. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's super dogwhistly a little, isn't it? Yeah, and it's also like not as bad. I think it's it's like, well, is is that your own? Like, you're coming back at Toby literally asking you about your dad hitting you with being right. like, With, well, like, who are you, like, a therapist? Who are you, do, like, do you go to therapy or something? Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. And it's like, um, uh, we're on a different wavelength not... here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, basically, it all just blows up for no real good reason, and they walk away angry. And, you know, I guess it's really just to kind of give Sheen a, a bit of, like, fire to get to have a scene with it feels like i uh, like, i don't know i yeah. don't really i really don't get why they chose to do make this decision narratively like his like to get to get the rise out of him would theoretically be like we're going to because now then the episode just i guess it out. proves i guess it shows which of the two bartlets he's becoming I think. Yeah, there's that. It's meant to be like if he, you know, if he was just like, well, Toby, you're right, and I don't really think, you know, my dad loved me much. Like, oh, it turns out he's the coward Bartlett, but since he came at Toby hard, he's actually the good Bartlett, the fighter Bartlett. Yeah, like I, I guess that's what they're trying to go for. Sure, and I mean, also Emma pointed sure. out that from a, a mise en scène perspective, when it fades out at the end, you see Bartlett in the Oval Office through the doorway, but you also see Bartlett on the TV in the waiting area so right. you fade out with a shot of two bartlets and it's like his television oh. his television address persona and then him being like the private and shitty and private yeah hmm okay ask you know what a little credit where credits do that's it's still just like clever. what the fuck toby come on what, yeah it, what? it really comes out of no it's jarring how out of nowhere it comes uh Oh, okay. So on a lighter note, let's let's talk about Donna's small little comedy subplot throughout this episode, where uh, uh, she she keeps trying to butter up Josh by telling him how how very very powerful he is, uh, which of course works like a charm. And every time she says it, he has to pause and go, "Oh yes, you're right. I am very powerful." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's trying she's trying to get out of jury duty because she has been summoned for jury duty. Uh, and it's like the very standard sort of, uh, you've seen this plot on like every sitcom. You've seen mm-hmm. it on 30 Rock. You've seen it on, you know, like, how do I get out of jury duty? Let's count the wacky ways. And uh, Sam, of course, gives her the real answer of like, if you lie to a judge, they will throw you in jail. Donna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst, the worst part of this is that she just says to Sam that I hate criminals. <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's the other thing like her uh, her way of getting out of jury duty is being super shitty about like i hate criminals and i think if you're in this courtroom you deserve to be here and and go to jail and to again to his credit sam turns to her and goes the judge is gonna throw you in jail if you say <laughs> yeah that. yeah which is great uh <laughs> yeah so that that kind of and then like i don't think we ever hear about it again no, it's literally just like, okay, we need to give Donna two minutes here. Okay. Uh, and, and it's that, you know, she uh, she's trying to butter up Josh. Uh, and meanwhile, it, like, it makes Josh think of Amy or something like that. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I think it gives Josh the inspiration to actually go on vacation or something along those lines. Um, uh, what was the... Uh, there was one other thing I wanted to... Amy and up, Josh, like. something about... Uh, Amy and Josh, we kind of really talked about... Oh, the... the- 
every two years we can overthrow the government comment oh yeah so yeah yeah let's get yeah uh, okay so josh goes to see amy at one of her at her women's uh group that she's given a big speech to you know she's talking about abortion rights and and you know lots of good female issues and then she delivers this whopper of a line go ahead and just put the clip in a Congress that votes to ban late-term abortions, even when a woman's life is in danger. Affordable daycare is a contradiction in terms. Gag rules and old men who think women's issues should be the subject of PTA meetings and not the U.S. House of Representatives. I'm not fine with it. The WLC is not fine with it. Women aren't fine with it. It's really something every two years we get to overthrow the government. Guess what's coming up in November? In 10 months, we can make the difference. Let's get out the vote. Let's get ourselves organized. Let's get the Congress we deserve. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. <laughs> um, yes, uh, of that's course. Not, that's not exactly how that works, really. Choose, choosing your flavor of politician is not overthrowing <laughs> the government. I mean, it makes uh, for a great soundbite, but it's yeah, also just like... Yeah, like, I get... I get how it's a great, like, liberal, like, oh, isn't democracy so great? We get to overthrow it every overthrow. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> well, and, I mean, Karl Marx, the man himself, said that the oppressed are allowed once every few years to decide which particular representatives of the oppressing class are to represent and repress them. So... Yeah, that's that's what we get to do every two years, not, yeah. o- not overthrow the goddamn government. You don't overthrow the government from a goddamn ballot box, yeah. I'll just put it that For way. Real. And, like, it's it's interesting that they put those words in her mouth, because clearly she is the most, like, too... Radical. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. To, to of the, the shows, West Wing. Yeah. To the show's canon, like... Amy Gardner's out there holding down the loony left. Yeah, right, wow. yeah, she's she's the bra burning, you know. Well, her and Ed Begley Jr. Like, right, um, oh, yeah, yeah, they they're on the ticket for twenty twenty in West Wing. <laughs> it's it's the it's the Ed Begley Jr. fucking Amy Gardner yep. <laughs> ticket. But, it's the Bernie <laughs> Bernie whatever <laughs> equivalent ticket. Yeah, and I think that's about it for mm-hmm. stuff in the plot. So let's take another brief break and we can wrap up. that's about it for today. Um, we're at a very exciting time in the Democratic primary process. I think, as we mentioned earlier, the actual Iowa caucus of 2020 is 19 days away. My God, um, the primary. It's finally starting to come to a close. I just remember all the posts we made 12 months ago being like, dudes, nobody is voting. Yeah for 12 yeah, months and it, then it was nine about months buckle and up was, and this is gonna yeah. be a long fucking primary and goddamn if we weren't all right <laughs> <laughs> it's been very long uh, and still has a long way to go yeah and so. technically uh i personally think one way or another it's gonna be wrapped up by super tuesday and we're gonna know pretty much what's gonna happen from then on 
Uh, yep. But uh, yeah, thankfully signs are encouraging. You know, I I truly do believe there is no such thing as bad publicity. So this debate stuff has just gotten Bernie in the spotlight more. And that's just going to make people notice and pay attention that he's running again and, and generate even more enthusiasm. Uh, the, the Iowa ground game is incredibly strong. The volunteer army is strong. Hell, hell, we've got one of them right here. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was going to mention that um, the, the media blackout that we talked about has been absolutely correct because, like, you didn't see the name Sanders in a headline on CNN nope. until, like, this month. Yep. Or like any other until they finally like started network. coming around a few weeks ago with the oh turns out Bernie could win stories yeah well and so it was in that moment like sometime I am actually taking a Bernie journey hey. I'm going to Iowa I'll be posting up in Sioux City for two weeks I will do my best to actually um, so I will I'll post up my Twitter um, in the show notes because I think that's going to be the best sort of blend of infosec and keeping um, my more radical side out of the sight of the people I work with, (laughs) (laughs) but also getting out to a a reasonably mass audience. Um, Yeah, we're excited to hear your trip report. If anybody listening is actually working or volunteering in Iowa, any part of the state, um, I will, again, I'll post my Twitter. You can feel free to DM me, get in touch, and... If I can, and probably you know, take a break to do it some evening, I'll record something from the hotel room, and we can catch up and, nice. and talk shit about how the you know the last couple weeks have gone in advance of the caucus. Absolutely, and then I will. I'll probably be drunk for like ninety six hours straight <laughs> um, over the last like couple of days. <laughs> Damn right. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, as always, drop a comment in our thread. If you found us a different way, you can shoot the show an email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. Give, give me the real one. Give me the big <laughs> give one. Give me the big one, baby. 69. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, so oh. this will be our last, um, like, official West Wing oriented episode at least until probably February at least 13th. until Iowa gets goods passed yeah, yeah at least we'll, until Iowa wraps we'll up we'll try um you know if you want to record something solo cool I might record something solo on my end a little but Definitely. we we won't dig into like a new episode or anything but maybe you know you and I have talked about a couple different side issue episodes we've we've thought about doing uh, or something like that. So I might, you know, I might do something along those lines. Uh, if you can't make it to Iowa, like Stu, you know, do like me and text bank, phone bank, canvas in your own local area, donate, do something. You know, we're we're at the, you know, we're in the home stretch here, folks. We only just need, you know, a big last push to Iowa, and that's going to give us the momentum to to truly carry this race. So the, do what you can. The you have been taught all your life that being earnest and feeling feelings about politics is silly stuff for babies yeah but it is truly liberating to have a candidate that full-throatedly supports your material needs and further is surrounded by a network of people frankly like us yes that will also get on board with that enthusiasm and it is incredibly liberating to act in service in, of in the best way yeah. possible um you know uh, seeing even like the chapo guys basically say like hey the time for cynicism is over you have to embrace hope yes i realize the possibility of hurt exists along with hope but you can't let that stop you from hoping 
because hope is revolutionary, and, folks. Well, and it's been, I mean, frankly, for myself, it's been very hard to be like, for for whatever volunteering work I have to do, it is literally going to be a conscious, deliberate, and difficult effort for me to go out and just be like, I'm here because I'm excited for this candidate, and I am happy and excited about this stuff because my default setting is one of cynical reversion to, you know, uh, good things aren't possible. Right. And, a set, you know, it's it's time to wake up America from that sort of national default mood. And this is this Absolutely. is the opportunity to do it, or at least the first step. And so I'm I'm very hopeful. I think you know I think we have this, folks. Like uh, you know not to not to unlight the fire under your belly. If you're still angry <laughs> about you know the Warren shit or what have you that just recently happened, please let it use it to motivate you to volunteer even more. Absolutely, but like for real, I do have a pretty good feeling about this. And if I'm wrong, so Hell be yeah. it. But uh, I've had a good feeling this whole time. And hell yeah, I, I, we're going to finish fucking strong. The, the boots on the ground are strong. Keep up the tech. Like I said, de- texting, phone banking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we'll see you all next time on uh, another worst wing. All right. Solidarity, everybody. Solidarity. I want you all to take a look around and find someone you don't know. Are you willing to fight for that person? who you don't even know as much as you're willing to fight for yourself. Gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you'd better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone for the times they are.